0: Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30. The scripture says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. This is the last in our series on living by faith. We're going to conclude with this. Here the writer of Hebrews has been citing examples of faith uh, in, in the great figures of the time before Israel entered into the promised land. But now, here and the remainder of this passage, this chapter, he turns to the period of struggle when the children of Israel were winning a place for themselves within Palestine. Here in verse 30, we see, by faith, the obedient became conquerors. Verse 31, by faith, the outcasts became converts. And verse 32, by faith, the ordinary became champions. Specifically, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then it goes on to tell of many others who were used greatly of the Lord, who had a great testimony for God and lived by faith. But this next and last dramatic event in this series involves the conquest of the city of Jericho. Not only because of the miraculous manner in which it was accomplished, but also because it laid the groundwork, if you will, set the precedent for the conquest of Palestine by the children of Israel. And they're establishing, uh, they're being established as the inhabitants of that land and receiving that promised land that God declared would be theirs. So we're going to look this morning at two thoughts. (laughs) You can say, wow, a message with just two points. Well, here we go. uh, We're going to start out looking at the first half of this verse in uh, chapter 11, verse 30. And we see where faith triumphs. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. We note here in this first thought that faith triumphs at the point of conflict. For them, the point of conflict in this text is the city of Jericho. A few things about this city. It was known as the city of palm trees, according to Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 3, and other passages. But a Jericho was a walled city in the midst of a vast grove of palms in the plain of Jordan, about five miles west of the Jordan River. It was the most important city in the Jordan Valley. It had the strongest fortress in all the land of Canaan and was the key to Western Palestine. This heavily walled city of Jericho prevented invaders from entering the main valleys that provided access to the central part of Canaan. The city itself, though, was actually comparatively small. I don't know about you, but when uh, reading stories like this, you think of a massive city like the city of Babylon or Nineveh. But uh, actually, results gathered through excavations and uh, archaeological finds have determined that the city covered an area of about five acres. That's smaller than the property here for our church property. So the city itself was rather small, but it was built with such strength, had massive walls, and the walls were strong enough for houses to be built on top of the walls, All around the city and we recognize that of course from the story of Rahab but the the city had a a fresh spring that provided hundreds of gallons of water every uh every day so there was no problem there they had plenty of food the city was a stronghold and as a result the inhabitants of the city could kind of hold out there for quite a long time in regard to a time of battle uh, Deuteronomy one twenty eight indicates that the city was of such impressive appearance that the spies that Joshua sent into the land made note of it. Deuteronomy one twenty eight says, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. These men saw Jericho as being a city that they could not attack and win. It was a formidable obstacle, and it would be for any army, much less for this ragtag group of Israelites who themselves were not tried and proven really in battle. They were novices when it came to this matter of um, battle. You remember that these are the children (laughs) of those who fled from the city of Egypt, from the land of Egypt. And uh, all the parents died in the wilderness in their 40-year journey. So this is the next generation, if you will, who's come along, and they're getting ready to go into this promised land. But human reasoning would look at this city and say, well, there is a way to go ahead and attack it, just as we see throughout history was common in an army besieging a particular walled city. Of course, they would go ahead and uh, gather slings and catapults and amass large volumes of stones for ammunition. They would dig trenches up to the city and try to dig under the wall to undermine the city's defense that way. Or they would call for surrounding the city and just preventing anybody from getting in or out and over time starving those people that lived in the city. And we see examples of that in the scripture, by the way, when you think of the city of Samaria you know, faith has a better way. Their only hope was God. And by trusting God, they found that he was willing to give them victory over their enemies. You see, it's a matter of whether or not we're going to trust God and do things his way, or we're we going to trust ourselves and do things our way. Faith does not oppose Satan's devices with human devices. We note that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, speaking of strongholds, we're reminded, of course, as believers, that life is always a struggle for the believer. Would you agree with that? There are challenges and difficulties along the way. And though we might not be facing a mighty city that's a stronghold that we have to oppose, we certainly come across problems along the way that are great in our sight. And here, by way of uh, example and application, we note the children of Israel came across or came upon this city. By the way, this city had to fall because it proved to be a strategic point of defense for anybody coming into That valley. This was the first point of contact for the children of Israel as they got into this new land. And it was here they had to trust God to give them the victory right from the get go. By the way, that's, that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to trust God and believe Him right from the very start, becoming Christians and allow Him to work in our lives and help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and be strengthened in the faith but God's way is not the world's way and as long as we as believers are in the world it would do us well to follow God's instruction and to do things his way We all have our way of doing things. When we were in the Navy, we used to say there's a right way, a wrong way, and the Navy way. The Marines probably had a similar saying as well as any branch, but it's the idea that we think our way is best. Yes, we know what the Bible says. Yes, we know what advice tells us. Yes, we know what others suggest, but we have it in our minds that we know best for ourselves. Can I say this? We don't. We need to be willing to follow God's instruction and do things God's way. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We know that verse. We quote it frequently. But do we actually... Follow it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Job 13 verse 15. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Psalm 37 verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times. These are amazing admonitions we see set forth in the word of God. We read them, we know them, yet we easily forget them. Do we not? Psalm 125, verse 1 says, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Jeremiah seventeen seven. blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Someone has said, we need a faith that God will give us victory over the insurmountable forces of life, no matter what those forces are, even the force of death. Yes, God grants victory to those who trust in him. Some of you are familiar with the life of uh, the great missionary Robert Moffat, who worked for many years in Land, South Africa. He worked there and labored for years without seeing a single convert. Some friends of his back in England wrote him and asked what, they, what gift they could send him to help him in his ministry. He wrote back and said he wanted a communion set. They thought, this is rather odd. He's been there for years, has no converts, has no church, but he wants a communion set. Well, it took months, but by the time it it finally arrived in Africa, he had a number of converts, and those new believers were able to observe the Lord's Supper for the first time using that new communion set. You see, faith looks beyond the impossible and trusts that God can and will do what he says he will do. So here, we know where... Does faith triumph? It triumphs at the point of conflict. The children of Israel came to this point. But yet, we notice also in the second half of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, the scripture says, after they were compassed about seven days. That tells us when faith triumphs. Faith triumphed when the walls of Jericho were compassed about seven days. You see, only complete obedience to the word of God could deal with this situation at Jericho. And by the way, this is recorded in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, gives us this particular story. And just to summarize it, God had told Joshua he wanted the, uh, the children of Israel to, la- uh, to attack the city of Jericho, and God was going to give them the victory and that they were going to defeat this particular city. It wasn't going to be done through military prowess, It wasn't going to be carried about by a tactical genius. This event was going to take place by the hand of God. God says, I want you to do it this way. He said, I want you to have the soldiers go out, and then behind them, I want seven priests. Carrying seven ram's horns. And then behind them, I want the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Then behind them, I want the people of Israel. And then I want the rear guard coming up. So five specific groups, he says, I want going out. And you're going to walk around the city one time. And he said, you're not going to say a word. He said, I don't want to peep out of anybody. And then, you're going to do it the second day. The third the 4th, the 5th, and the 6th day like the previous 5. But he said, when you get up at dawn on the 7th day, I want you to line up the same way. And I want you to go around that city. And after you complete one time around, I want you to do it again. And again and again and again. Until you've gone around it 7 times. And at the completion of the 7th time around that city... I want the priests to blow those shofars. I want the people to shout. And at that time, I want you to attack the city and you'll take it. And what's an amazing thing is this story seems so incredibly ridiculous, humanly speaking, doesn't it? I mean, to think that they're going to attack a city by walking around it. Can you imagine getting a crowd that size to not say a word Every time they walked around, because if anybody had spoken, they would have disobeyed God, violated his will, and as a result, there would have been failure. So they had to be complete quiet. I mean, I know me. I'd have been thinking, what are we doing do you know how stupid we look? <laughs> Listen to them up on the, the city. And by the way, the city walls would have been covered with, with people standing around watching this, preparing for an attack. They were thinking this first day, boy, Israel, they're circling around. They're looking for their best opportunity, their best way of approach. And they said, we're ready. <laughs> and so the children of Israel walking around and then they leave. Boy, don't you know that stirred up the people that lived in Jericho and thought, ah, you know, they don't have a chance. We've got this thing. And then the second day, every day, the same scenario. But then that seventh day, it changed because now they're starting to go around a second time. And that, boy, the people of Jericho would have really gotten wound up then. And then they did it a third, a fourth, and fifth, and a sixth, and a seventh. And all of a sudden, the trumpets blow, the people shout in accordance to God's instruction, and the walls fell down what a shock that must have been to the people of Jericho. That city was defeated without one arrow being shot, without one stone being sent forth from a sling. It was a total, total surprise on the part of the people of Jericho. But remember, the walls did not fall until after seven trips around on that seventh day, and after The priest blew the trumpets, the the horns, and the children of Israel shouted. If we want to see God grant victory in our lives, there is an expectation that's placed upon us that we be obedient to God and his word. All the precise order was there. The precise conduct was according to what God said. And because they obeyed the Lord, because they did exactly what God told them to do, God came through as he said he would and granted the victory. You see, the daily procession of the Israelites must have looked as a rather strange sight to the the people on the the wall. But, you know, as they saw this just rough, this, this group of people walking around, they looked at him as maybe being hopeless without having a plan, without having a clue looking at them as uh, as already being defeated but the children of israel saw something different you see they saw the unseen they saw the god of israel who delivered them from their forefathers from the land of egypt they saw the god who took care of them through the wilderness allowed them to pass over the red sea lived for those many years in the wilderness, and then now has brought them over the Jordan River in the same manner in which he did across the Red Sea. And now they see the God of heaven ready to fulfill his will in their lives. You see, they had a forethought, if you will, that God was going to do what he said he would do. And because of that, they kept their eye on the prize. We're reminded to do that. The writer of Hebrews in the next chapter tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, faith is not unreasonable in believing what God says he will do. It's based on a premise that God's word is true you see what we had before says God's word what we're looking at today is this story is a recurrence if you will or a a rehearsal a retelling of the story of the days of Joshua when those children took the battle uh, won the battle at Jericho God's word whether spoken or written carries the same weight it has the same authority It is to be obeyed equally. And as God told Joshua what he wanted them to do is equally as important as any other command we find written in the word of God. And for us as God's children, it is beneficial for us when we read God's word, we choose to obey it doing what he says rather than what we think. Now, the fact of the matter is, our human nature, we read the scripture and we say, well, you know, I I think it would work better this way. I think it'll, it'll come out better if I try this instead. No, it'll always be better when we follow God's way. Things will always come out right when we do them according to what God has commanded. We need to learn that lesson. And in this whole series of living by faith, we have seen the examples of people who learned to trust God in spite of the circumstances, in spite of their own weaknesses and inabilities, in spite of how things were going around them. They learned to trust God and God blessed them abundantly for it. That's why they're in here. That's the example that is given for us and the children of Israel give us a tremendous example of how to gain victory over the struggles and problems and trials of life. Trust God. Trusting Him is the only answer in many of the situations that come up in our lives we need to follow the Lord's instruction we need to follow his guidance rather than trying to do things our own way another interesting fact about this whole story is not a single word of explanation is given by God as to why they did it this way the second thing is not a single word of doubt or complaint is recorded concerning the children of Israel. Now we know that they had their moments of complaining and murmuring and griping. We see that recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. Not here. They decided they were going to trust God. Strange as it sounds, they were going to do it His way. And as a result, God gave them the victory. You know, God doesn't owe us an explanation The next time we find ourselves in hot water or difficult circumstances, it's inappropriate. I'll even say it's ungodly to take the attitude, God, you owe me an explanation. He does not. God will do things according to his plan, his purpose, and his good pleasure. When we find ourselves submitting to him and yielding to his will, all oh, how things work out the better for us. Someone has said there's four types of faith. There's faith that receives, as when we come empty-handed to the Lord and receive him as our Savior. There's faith that reckons, that counts on God to undertake for us. There's faith that risks, that moves out in God's power, daring to do the impossible And then there is faith that rests, the kind that in the middle of pain and sorrow sits down and says, I trust God. Faith that receives, faith that reckons, faith that risks, faith that rests. The faith demonstrating the fall of Jericho was that, uh, Jericho, excuse me, was the faith that risks. People of Israel were willing to do everything and risk everything because they believed God and therefore complied to his will. They didn't add anything. They didn't take anything out. They simply did what God said. Someone has said God sometimes gives explanations and reasons, but he's not obligated to, and genuine faith does not require him to. How important it is for us as believers to grasp that great truth, Romans eight thirty one says, "If God be for us, who can be against us?" Second Corinthians two fourteen. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. First John five four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now Revelation chapter three verse twenty one. Christ closed out his instruction to the church at Laodicea by saying to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So many times we expect to see a way out before entering into the battle. But the children of Israel, they were instructed to do what God had commanded them to do in regard to circling that city without knowing for sure what was going to happen. Yet they obeyed. What a great example for us to follow and a lesson for us to learn. I'll close with this thought. After the smashing of the Spanish Armada, there was erected on Plymouth Hill a monument with this inscription, God sent his wind, and they were scattered. You see, when the people of England saw how the storm and the gale had shattered the Spanish Armada, they said, God did it. When we're faced with a great and demanding task, God is our greatest ally, not our opponent. Let us not be guilty of blaming God or finding fault with God and the difficulty that we're facing. But let's look to the Lord and trust him to show us a way out. These five things we can summarize as lessons from this particular text. Real faith and courage is taking God's side when it seems as though defeat is certain. You see, God's ways are often entirely different than ours. God is independent of all natural means, and superior to all the laws of nature. Number three, formidable difficulties and powerful oppositions are encountered in the warfare of faith. Number four, Satan's strongholds cannot stand before a people who are obedient to and who rely fully upon the living God. And number five, God alone doeth great marvels, but it is through the faith of his saints. All the victories of Israel were won by faith. The lesson is simple. Throughout this series, throughout this passage, trust God. Trust God, come what may.